Big up your head, big up your body Get on the bus, it's time to party It's Gregory, it is a Saturday night Gregory Take your socks off and take your pants on Get in the car and Hello, everyone. It's me. It, you should know who I am. That's my podcast. It's uh, Greg Stone. Greg Stone, your favorite guy. First of all, we got something different today. Uh, I am in the wild city of Las Vegas. I am staring off right now at the strip and the strippers and the sex. So much goddamn sex in this city. I love it. So we're going to be... I had guests, and I told them all, go home. No guests. It's just me today. We're going to see if we can. We're not going to see. We're just going to talk. I know I could talk for a goddamn hour. I wanted to give you guys an update on my trip, everything that was kind of going down. I think it was, uh, it's been kind of nuts. Um, and uh, I don't understand times. So I schedule a guest and uh, they're in bed now because I don't know. It's like uh, Vegas time is, uh, it's, is a different time. It's like you're in a weird, it's a, the time doesn't really make sense here. It's, it's one o'clock here. And I think it's 7 a.m. in New York. It's 4 a.m. in New Jersey and L.A. time. God knows what's going on over there. So I fucked up the whole schedule and I figured it doesn't matter anyway. I'm just going to tell you guys about my trip, which has been wild and fun um, and crazy. Also, I want to say this, that I don't know. I'm going to this is going to be a lot of just me just uh, going to myself. So there's no one going to be here to tell me if, if things I'm saying is bad. So you got to do the editing at home. OK, like if you're like, yeah, I, that was that was a weird thing to say, Greg. That's on you. You guys now, you're the Brendan and Anthony at home now. So feel free to correct me, you know, you know, while you're driving the car. Be like, Greg, that, you know, that's fine. Um, but man, this has been a fucking trip. Uh, I just I don't know if you guys if what I told you or what you guys know, but I had to it was my birthday, I turned 40, and my wife is having a baby. So she was like Let's fucking go. Let's let's go to Vegas for. We went to L.A. for a week, and then we went. Uh, then we drove from Vegas. We made that cool trip. It's like that drive, that swingers drive. You know that we're going to Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. We drove from L.A. L.A. to Vegas. I did. You know, it was four hours. It's not bad. Not bad. I did the whole thing. Dude, it was asleep for about eighty percent of it. I. It was one hundred and twenty degrees um, driving over, which. Was crazy, like it, you know, the out of air conditioning, so it's fine. But anytime I'd like lift my arm out of the shade, my arm would burn, and I was like, "This shit's hot." There was so many cars just pulled over to the side of the road because either overheated or I think their tires were melting, man. So I was just kind of just praying to God we made it. But then every other car on the road made it too, so I was like, "Oh, we'll we'll be fine. This is totally gonna be fine." Um, so I'll start off by telling you, L.A. And um, this is just going to be my whole trip. I'm going to tell you what kind of happened. The stories as they lie, as I'm going to play it as it lie. You know, we're going to, um, I get on a plane. I don't know if you guys know this. I don't like flying. I know you know that. I don't, I hate flying. Freak out. I don't, this is the thing too. I'm not afraid of dying. I don't care about dying on a plane. I do. I know we all die and I'm fine, but it's, it's the anxiety of anticipated turbulence. I don't, that is what I am worried about is the sitting on a, plane waiting is this thing gonna just like rocking back and forth the whole time this is gonna freak me out and um so that's what like kind of gets me it's just the anxiety of being scared it's not even the fear i'm afraid of the fear which because i 
So I think it was last time I was in LA where I had the the the, the trip that really shook me up. I was flying to Los Angeles, like you know, five years ago, six years ago. Um, plane, the plane, we hit turbulence so bad the plane drops, and a food cart turns over. Uh, I want to say the air things came down. Those little like masks came down. Uh, it was crazy shaky. The lady behind me starts crying. I turn, I, I kind of like turned around. But I still had my seatbelt on, and somehow we were angled in the right way that I was able to like kind of see her and talk to her. I just kind of held her hand a little bit. I was like, we're going to be good. Don't worry. Turbulence, nothing wrong with turbulence. You know what I mean? Um, my mind just goes into that of that. Like it's easier for me to handle shit if I'm kind of handling someone else's shit. And I, so I, I wasn't even scared when it happened. And then the plane level, you know, was fine and we were good. And uh, I kind of, we, I talked to this lady the whole time. To, it was good, but getting off of that plane. Now it was the, the anxiety got really bad. Um, and then I was flying with then Michelle Wolf. I started opening for Michelle Wolf. And uh, I don't know if I ever told you guys this story. So I didn't like to fly and I kind of just wouldn't fly. And then Michelle, we did, we wrote the White House Correspondents Dinner. And I mean, she performed it. And then she was in a, I think we were in Burlington. And someone calls in a fucking bomb threat to her show. She freaks out. She's got Anthony with her. Anthony, she's like, I just want to be around friends. So she gets he goes hey call call greg get him out here we'll fly him out he'll open for us two the three of us will do the show we'll have a good time they call me and i go uh yeah no i can't make it and she was like well, i'm gonna pay you an exceptional amount of money so you need to come open here and i went i got the cable guy coming tomorrow i can't possibly do that anthony gets on the phone and he's like dude stop it fuck the cable guy you need you need to get to burlington you need to get here and, and open for her so it was like a 45 minute flight i woke up at 6 a.m bought the flight anthony took kind of care of everything so i didn't have to stress with it get on the flight and then i started getting better at flying then covid happens and all that fear kind of built back up nothing to do with the i don't give a shit about the covid on the plane it's more about just i haven't been practicing so tita and i were like we're going on this trip and, and one of the things is going to be that i'm going to this is going to help me get back over flying. So we, LA, we're flying out at 6 a.m. flight, which I love. I need, I do it super early so I can sleep through the whole thing. I did not go to sleep the night before. I watched about six hours of like how to handle flying anxiety, which one of the things is it's, which is crazy because this is what gets me is that I know is, I know that I'm not scared. It's not that like, I, I know what it is. I know that it, that it's not, Likely, though, I know planes going to go down. They said it's one in three million or one in eleven million that you are going to die in a plane. So I, my brain understands that it's not going to happen, but my body doesn't listen to my brain. Like my brain is like, dude, you're not going to die. But my body is like, fuck that. Ah, we, I'm, not, I'm going to shake and sweat this whole time. I'm not. I'm just, just like body. Just listen to my brain. But my brain. My brain is doing math, but my body has just got that fucking shit in there. And I, it gets me crazy because people think, you know, they think, but we constantly think that you're you're the driver, that your brain is in control. Like you're conscious. The conscious being is the thing that is controlling your life. But it's like, no, you are you are you are working with this body that listens to barely nothing that you say. Right. Like my brain knows how to talk to women and order eggs and 
you know, curse at uh, old women when they when they say weird shit. But my brain has no idea how to clot blood. But my body knows how to clot blood. You know, if I cut my arm, my brain isn't like, dude, send down the hemoglobins and the, the cells. My body is like, dude, you chill. I got this, you know? Like, if I go out drinking, I could drink. I'll just keep drinking, you know, having a good time. But then my body's like, fuck this. We're throwing this up. So you're in this constant, like, partnership with your body, and neither are really chatting with each other. We're not really kind of in sync. Yeah, you are. I guess you're in sync, but it's like, I don't know. This idea that you are one being is just not true. You are so many billions of, we are like, uh, our, we are, our bodies are like the earth, and our cells are like humans, and the hair is like trees. Like we're, we're this entire ecosystem. Holy shit. There is a guy outside my window rope. Holy shit. Look at this. Let's see if we could, I can't change it. There's a guy cleaning the windows, but he, he just went down. Fuck. But let me see if I could show it to you. This happened yesterday too. They must clean the windows every day. Can you see, you can't really see it, but see that rope. There's a man who, who just swung down there. That's some shit. It happened yesterday, too. Literally, when I was standing around naked, I see a fucking man washing the windows. They should tell you when they're washing the windows. They can't just have peeping, the professional peeping toms. Fucking. Uh, hang on. Anyway, I was, on a rant. I was on a rant about our bodies. But, like, we are in constant, like, our entire bodies are ecosystems, uh, if that makes sense. And you just look at, like, we're all... You know, who the fuck knows? If you go in close enough on our bodies, I think that we're all different things. Anyway, I get on the plane, passed out for almost the whole trip, so it was pretty good. And I think I'm good now. I think I'm good on flying. Uh, we get to L.A. Uh, I only had two shows booked. I had two at the comedy store. Uh, and I knew one was I was judging a roast battle. The I see I'd reached out to. So I'll just tell you guys the whole story on how this whole L.A. trip even happened. Um, I was at the comedy cellar and I'm talking to this lady, Maureen, who's really sweet. She works for, she works for, who the fuck knows? She's a real sweet lady. Uh, she's always been a big advocate of mine, um, which I think is always really, is really nice. And, uh, Liz from the cellar and this little guy, uh, sweet man. We're all, uh, Liz calls me over and morning. They're like, you gotta meet Greg. Greg's the best. So I start talking. I have no idea who this guy is. Um, we're talking. Guy seems cool. I get into some story uh, about L.A. comics, and then I tell him the story about this guy, Carl Lebove. Carl Lebove is a comedian who used to roll with Sam Kinison. He's you look him up. He was like super funny. Um, and when I first started, I was a door guy at Rascals Comedy Club. I wanted to do comedy. I, you know, I, you know, you don't know how to do any of this shit when you first start. So I had to drive him to his hotel. Uh, and this guy would just kill. He would come into the clubs and just annihilate. And I had no idea who he was. And he was super funny. But everyone at the club loved him. He was like a real sweet guy. So I drive him to the hotel. I tell him I'm trying to do comedy. And he was like, yeah, you just do it. You know, he was like, you just do it. And he's like, if you keep working, give me this whole speech. Can't really remember. Anyway, a spider comes through our vent and he freaks out. Turns out the guy didn't like spiders. I had to kill the spider while we were driving. He's like, Ugh. you know, throw it away. Uh, at the end of the I drop, I drop him off at the hotel and I go, see you later, buddy. He goes, nah, man, see you at the top. He said to me, which was real nice that like he 
was, you know, you know, he didn't, he took the time to kind of talk to me and make me feel better and want to do comedy. Anyway, he had died recently. So uh, oh, he's got this awesome story too. It's a crazy story. He like, he had Sam Kinison's. So his wife gave birth, his kid, he found out like when this kid was 18, they did like a paternity test. And it was actually Sam Kinison's kid. Like Sam Kinison fucked his wife. He was like his best friend. And uh, he pretty much raised this guy's kid. They found out it wasn't him, his, and then he still owed, owed like them child support. Like it's this wild move about how he, ha- how he had to pay child support on the kid that wasn't even actually his. And he still was, it was a whole thing. You should just do it. Anyway, um, I digress. I digress. Um, are we recording? Please God, let me know we're recording. Yeah. Uh, so let me, um, let me just see something real quick. 1049. Okay. So let's see. All right. So I'm telling this, I'm at the, I'm telling this story. So I'm telling that story about Carla Bove to Liz Maureen and this guy. And he's like, you ever come out to LA? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't really, I don't really fly. And I don't want to do the, like the comedy store. He's asked me at the comedy store, but the comedy store has like this way of getting comedians where like, you have to be like a door guy. A lot of times you have to be like a door guy first. You work yourself up through this system. And um, I'm not going to do that. Like I'm one, I've been doing comedy 20 years. I'm not starting at the beginning. I'm not doing that shit again. So I'm not going to, so I'll come into the comedy store from the top is my goal. Like I'm not, I kind of tell him that, you know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I just can't put that kind of time in. I also can't be, no offense, like, I can't be a door guy when shitty comedians come in and then they act like they're better than you. And I'm like, I just can't deal with that. And I think anybody who's doing that is, is awesome. And it's cool because that seems to be the system in LA and it seems to be working. But I'm like, I'm at the cellar and I got, I'm past the clubs, all the clubs in New York. I'm not, I'm not moving to LA to be a door guy. I just can't fucking do that anymore. I, I, I can't anyway, you don't, you get it. Um, so this guy goes, all right, well, if you come to LA, hit me up. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I don't know who you are. Uh, but he was very sweet. So then turns out, um, I go, yeah, what's your name? And he goes, Peter Shore. Turns out this is Paulie Shore's brother. They own the comedy store. So now I'm like, fuck, this might be an in for me. And I'm not going to drop the ball like I always do. I'm not going to fucking do the classic Greg move, which I did with Jim Lee, where Jim Lee was like, send me your script. And I said, it's not ready for 10 years. And I never sent Jim Lee my Jim Lee, one of the uh, owners currently of DC comic books, one of the greatest artists of all time, revolutionized X-Men, was it one of the start, started image comics. This guy said, send me something. And I just never did it. So I'm not doing that again. So I'm done fucking hitting this guy up. So I just, I bought a plane. I said, Tito, we're going to LA. I bought a plane ticket going to LA and we'll said, we'll figure it out. Anyway, I hit this guy up and he goes, well, I don't really book it. So there's nothing I can do. And I'm like, oh my God. But then he goes, hit up this other guy. He does give me the name of this guy, uh, Brian Moses. And Brian Moses was like, dude, love to meet you. Why don't you come judge a roast battle? And I was like, I can do that. Now I'm like, I am going to LA to judge a fucking roast battle. This is not going to, this is going to be a waste of a trip, but we're going to do it, right? No return ticket yet. We just have a ticket to LA, nothing back. Tita then goes, fuck it. We'll go for your birthday. You'll, we'll go to LA, you know, you'll do a week in LA, a little bit of work. We'll have a little bit of fun. Then we'll drive to Vegas and then we'll drive to the Grand Canyon. I always wanted to do that. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be our little baby moon. 
thing and and my birthday this is we we can do this plus i have an insane amount of points from flights that were canceled when covid happened so i had all these like i had this you know i had all these like vouchers and shit um so i i booked the, we booked the flight um i come out i land and uh, oh and then i hit up this lady uh who books the comedy store and I, they gave, they sent me her email and i was like see if i can do a spot i email her she does not respond and i went fuck it this ain't my club I'm not going to be the kind guy who just sits and, oh, she didn't respond. I fucking hit her up again. I sent her three emails, nice emails, and I waited a significant amount of time. I sent one like a month out, then like two weeks, hey, just following up. And then like a week, like, I don't know, I want to say like three days before my trip, I just sent the third email. I was like, hey, just wanted to see if you were, if it was possible to do some spots, blah, 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 blah. And then she writes back. She goes, I could probably get you on Saturday or Sunday send me an email on Monday. Monday is when I'm flying. So literally when I was in the plane, I was sending this email off uh, to try to get a spot. Still no idea if I'm getting a spot until I land. I land. I have one spot on Sunday. So the Monday hosting roast battle, I have a Sunday spot. And now it's in the belly room. So the way the belly room works is I think that's where they put like their developing people. So it wasn't like a real main room. They like the main room is where the big guys, big dogs go. Listen, I'm a big dog, but I'm like, that's fine. Put the big dog with the puppy dogs because the big dog's gonna let the puppy dogs know who the big dog is, right? Big dog's gonna look at the puppy dog and say, I'm gonna protect you. Just don't step out of line, right? Because you understand I'm I'm the big dog and I'll fucking bark. I mean you'll bark too, you little barker, but my bark and I bite. Anyway. So we get to roast battle. Um I get there early, I go to the comedy store. And I don't know if you guys, fuck me. It's like you're doing comedy and there's just always this feeling of like inadequacy, right? I, I've been doing comedy 20 years. All I really got, in my opinion, are you guys, the listeners, the podcast followers, the Patreon subscribers, all of you guys, um, which I'm going to get into, by the way. I want to mention something about the Patreon that hit me. I was really stoned last night and I was like, I got to, I wrote it down. Um, I also took some notes. I'd like to uh, refer to some notes on some of this. Um, oh, so I also hit up Adam Ferreira and he was like, come do my podcast. And I hit up uh, a couple friends about doing their podcasts. And I ended up not doing any of them because I was having such a good time with my wife, which is horrible. I did Adam Ferreira's podcast and that was fun. That guy's the best. Um, I also met a couple friends out there. Um, also switched apartments with someone. That was the move you do, man. We My, my friend Grant stayed in Astoria, I stay in his apartment with two cats who are maniacs. Uh, very cute, but wake you up in the middle of the fucking night. And I don't trust it. The cat bit me at one point. I love him. I'm like, why the fuck are you biting me, dude? I don't, I don't trust these. I don't trust fucking cats. I, I love all animals, but I don't trust cats. You know, it's like, I love you, but I don't trust you. He's like a fucking friend. He's honestly like a lot of my comedian friends who are, I'm like, man, I love you, but you might bite me. You know, you might, and by bite means talk shit about me behind my back and or sell me out when uh, Louis C.K. walks in the room. Um, so anyway, uh, I have to judge this roast battle. And here's the thing. I don't know if you guys know this about me. Ah, G-Man's not a roaster. I can because uh, I could write a joke, but I hate roasting. I think it's so fucking stupid. Roasting to me was something you do amongst friends. Shitting on your friends is the highest level of love. So it's like, the, the reason I hate roast battles is because they just pick two people and make them argue. This is stupid. You, you just insult each other? This is stupid. Roasting is 
the reason roasting is good because it's you know me so well that this is what I can get away with. That's what what is good about roasting is because when you when someone talks about your fucking dad being a pedophile or some shit, it's like you're allowed to get away with that because that person knows you love them so well. It's the same thing with me and Anthony. It's like I can talk about his dead dad because that's how much we love each other that we're allowed to play with this highly explosive material. That's why roasting sucks because these people don't fucking know each other. So they just be like, they just Google shit and they're like, oh, this guy's, um, this guy only has half a penis because it blew off in Afghanistan. I'm going to make fun of that. It's like, no, you don't get to make fun of that shit. That is, you don't know that guy that well. It's very, it's a very comfortable thing. So I don't really like roasting. Like I judge this goddamn roast battle anyway. Uh, no one really gives me any information. I walk in. The roast battle is already going on. They would already started. I, so I guess so. The way it works is it was being recorded by this mint comedy, where they do like um, they live stream shit. So they had an undercard which was off air, and then they had the overcard was being on air. Was on. They were going to stream that, and I guess they only wanted us judging that. But I walk in, all the other judges are seated. I don't know any of these people. It was a nice female. I don't remember her name. Elon Gold, who I actually like. I know him from the cellar a little bit. We know of each other. We see each other. We would wave. Not really on, you know, what up dog terms. And then Jeff Ross. And uh, so I get into my chair. Also, sharing a microphone. I have to share a microphone with someone. They didn't put enough microphones. It's like, look, this is COVID. I get it. We, we should be, I should get my own goddamn microphone. Also, I don't want to hand back a microphone. It's so awkward. You go, I go, then you go, I go. It's so fucking stupid. I sit down and uh, Jeff Ross calls me George, has no idea who I am. No one. He just goes, hey, uh, George. And I'm like, well, it's Greg Stone, uh, but it's all good. We don't really know. It's just like, ah, he's so nice. He was like, ah, sorry, no one really. And I was like, I know. And we we're just, so we start the, the roast battle. And I do two jokes. First of all, I, 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 none of these people know who I am. I do two jokes that immediately fucking flop. I mean, I don't know what the riff was, but I'm t- the crowd's looking at me. I look at Jeff and he's like, oh, I got to do a show with this fucking guy. This is not good. What the fuck? And then everyone's like, oh, this is just some new comic that news. And then the guy says, ah, I didn't book him. Uh, he was Peter Shore's friend. So even the guy who booked me throws me out of the bus. And now I'm sitting here like, oh, this this sucks. The, uh, now I have zero will with the crowd. Also, when my second joke bombed, there's a person on stage in a band. They played taps. It was like, dee, dee, dee. like I was dead. I was like, to fuck this. I was like, uh, whatever. So I go, you know what? But here's the thing you got to understand about me. I... I'm not going to let them win. This is going to sound a little arrogant, but I know I'm funnier than everyone in that room. I know that's like a, I don't know if it's like funny. It doesn't really matter, but I'm like, I know what I can do. Right. And I might've had two riffs that didn't go well, but there was no goodwill with the crowd. This, no one knows who I am. I'm not in my own club. I know no one here. No one knows my sense of humor. So I'm like, fuck that. I'm, I'm going balls to the wall. And I'm like, look, man, you guys can say this, whatever. It's like, you have no idea who I am. And I was like, I was like, I wish you could just let me do stand up. Then you'd know that I'm a fucking killer. Right. And then Jeff Ross goes, we got five minutes before this thing goes live. Go do five. Now, I don't know if you guys know how I don't know if you know, but stand up. You don't you never want to go up cold. Okay, this just going up because someone says go do stand up. That is I'm going to look, I'm going to sound arrogant here. I'm going to just tell you that, like, this is not a thing you want to do as a comedian it is a very difficult it's almost a kobayashi maru if you will this is an unwinnable situation just to go on stage apropos of nothing with zero preparation and then murder that is not something that is a hard move to do 
if you're anybody but me. I'll be honest. Okay. I'm going to tell you right to your face. I went up there and I fucking did my first joke, raped their mouths with humor. They immediately explode. The crowd starts dying. Now I'm fucking, because I'm the goddamn G man. People don't realize this. I'm a goddamn stone gold killer. And I'm sorry that I'm talking about myself, but I talk shit about myself enough that right now I'm going to be arrogant. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to tell you, I fucking destroyed within five minutes. Just boom, just fucking hit them really hard walked off stage crowd was screaming jeff goes hell yeah dog that was amazing now every joke i i did through after this landed i win the fucking crowd back did the just did this just, i've never been so proud of myself in my life not even say proud but it's like if you work hard at something you know you you can do it right it's like i know how good i am now i'm not gonna let myself get in my way i'm not gonna let myself hate myself or be in a uh fucking i know what i can do on stage i goddamn follow dave attell at the cellar constantly not a lot of people could do that i could fucking do it so suck my dick i'll fucking beat this stupid la fucking roast battle shit crowd over fuck these cocks cock and bowels anyway get off stage land all my jokes i'm now walking around the store like i am a fucking like all that every every room i kind of walked in people were like no nah, greg's cool this guy's cool like i just fucking that guy just judged the roast battle he's killer they're giving me free drinks i am living high on the hog feeling very happy for that night um end up uh going home and i have like a week until i have my also i gotta throw this out there man this guy uh the reason if you're a comedian one of the things you got to do and and this might sound weird but uh whenever i go to a comedy club what i do is i make friends with the wait staff uh for several reasons one i love normal people it's just easier to talk to normal people sometimes there's no ego they're you know if there's if they're weird they're weird but it's like you can get out of it so i you know and it's nice i like to call them landing pads right it's nice to have a landing pad someone that when you're feeling uncomfortable you can go land and be around and usually wait staff they don't give a fuck you know they've, they've seen all the comedians they don't really care and you can just kind of be their friends uh anyway there's this guy taylor boss he was a door guy turns out he's a comedian but I walk up to him and he was like, you're the G man. You're the man. Love this guy. Like he had, he didn't know who I was, but he was so nice. That, and every time I felt uncomfortable, he would be like, nah, man, you can do what you want. Here's where you get this. And he kind of took me under, you know, made me feel really comfortable. So shout out to that fucking guy. Uh, he was just him and his fiance. His name was Rose. She was a bartender. She was hooking it up with the drinks. Um, so I had this nice landing pad, which was that guy. Um, so I wanted to shoot out that guy, but um, yeah. So then what else happened? Oh, I had to go do, we're going to get back to the comedy store and how that worked out. I, but I wanted to. Um, the fucking L.A., man, the homeless situation is crazy. There's that was another thing that I saw. It's like there's there's tents. They have like these tents. And I'm not a big L.A. guy. I don't know too much about it. But the streets were like lined in tents of people of homeless people, I guess, that, that left lost their apartments or COVID or lost their jobs and then there's just like a million rvs parked back to each other where people are living in these which i've always kind of been like yeah if you should why can't people just live in an rv on the street and then you see it you go oh this is why this is great this is you, this is gross for some reason i don't know it's like you gotta put these things somewhere and by things i mean the people not oh man this window washer guy's coming up again i should just jerk off for him you know you know that's at least a story for him if he just sees me jerking off, it's like he's looking at my. You look into my room. That's me. You don't get to. You know that's on you. You know that's not on me. 
So I'll give it give him a little masturbation show if he comes in. <clears throat> um so yeah, I see these like homeless people. And then I see Evan Williams, um, which you guys might know, great comedian, funny guy, does a lot of impressions. <coughs> we go for a walk in like the hills where these insanely rich houses are. And like we're looking through people's windows, and it's like these are like I don't know. One guy had a statue of a horse on his balcony. Like it was a real life-size horse that was, he'd just come out like a general and he would stand next to this horse. I guess he would do that. You know, these people are just filthy fucking rich, just roll, not even Mercedes. It's like Rolls Royces, Rolls Royce, Lamborghinis, like crazy things. And then 20, then like just like 500 feet down the hill, you just have these tents that people are sleeping in. It really makes you mad about the fucking rich. It's like, Man, guys, you can fix this. I, I don't, you know, I get it. You know, like I'm all for capitalism, but what are you, what are you doing, man? Walk down that, walk down that, sell the Rolls Royce and do something with that money to help those people. I don't, I don't know. I'm not rich enough. I try to help when I can. So, you know, I can more help through conversation and talking to people than I can money. I don't have enough, although I'm living in this hotel room that I'm in right now. You'd think I'm a billionaire, but... You know, the money difference is it's so jarring when you see that level of rich legitimately stone throw away from people who just lost everything in a tent, you know, and it's like, what well, can you, well, I don't know, it's just really jarring to see it that way. At least in New York, we hide our rich, you know, in New York, they're, they're on the top of the, they're at the top of the Chrysler building, the Empire State Building, they're just hiding and they helicopter out, you don't really see these cars, you know, we go to road, I was on Rodeo Drive, that was wild, man. I go to Rodeo Drive with Tita, and uh, we walk into this. It was a Porsche store, not the, I guess the car, but they also sell clothes. I guess they like leather jackets and sunglasses. We talked to this guy who works at the Porsche store. I thought he was gonna throw me out. He's like, "You are too, you are too poor for us. Get out of this store." I was expecting that, but I walk over, go hello, and he was like, "A New Yorker. I love a New Yorker. Oh my God, I was just in Queens the other day. It was a beautiful city. Oh, the COVID had such changes, so many changes." And I was like, "Yeah, man, total changes. How did you guys have it here?" And he goes, "Oh, it was no good. It was sometimes good, but not always good. Like I don't know. We're going on and off having a fucking. I'm me and Teeter just talking. This guy, this guy doesn't realize. He doesn't realize that he's talking to someone who will talk to him for one hour. And I think we did. I think we probably talked for like an hour and a half." talking to this French guy at the Porsche store. Then I just a complete different idea of what I thought Rodeo Drive would be. I thought I would walk into these stores and they would go, you know, I thought it was going to be like a real like, get out, filth, get out, go back to your, go back to your Walmart, go back to your Gap stores. They were, everybody was nice. They had really expensive. I think now because there's so many, streamers and poor people getting rich that they don't they, they have to be like we don't know who this motherfucker is if he's in here you got to treat him like he's rich it's no longer the 1950s where if you're rich you walk around in a suit every day all the time there's just a lot of just rappers and scumbags with money now that they gotta you know they gotta be nice to anyway my porsche man was so cool we go in a banana republic um at the mall i want to say three miles away we always go to Banana Republic because my wife used to work there. Tita used to work at the Banana Republic. And so every now and again, she likes to just walk in and see how they're doing. You know, she likes to 
check in, make sure they're holding up to standard. She'll just kind of go in and be like, mm, oh, look, they're uh, love. These are not folded right. Or she'll like judge. I don't know. Maybe she's like, maybe she needs to take a shift or something. I don't know. But she always wants to to check how her old store is doing, the B-Rep. Um, so we go in and the Porsche store, $9 million sunglasses on Rodeo Drive. Couldn't be nicer. Banana Republic, these fucking cocksuckers think who they are. I'm not kidding. I walk in and the fucking lady is like, can I help you? Like in that way of like, can you leave? You're 40. Get out of here. Anyway, I'm, t- I, I'm trying to talk to I'm trying to I, I want to get this exactly right how this goes down, because this is what you should know about me, which you probably already know, is that I talk to everyone and people are like you always have great stories. Yeah, I have great stories because when you're putting yourself out there constantly, things go foul. OK, you're going to either end up screaming at somebody. You're going to end up with an argument. You're going to have a good experience. You're going to have a bad experience, but you're going to get an experience. And that's what I live because I'm constantly whatever. So I'm like. All right, lady. Right. So I can't remember exactly how it happened, but there was this black woman who was uh, like a a wild 10, uh, just a super hot woman, which, by the way, when I say hot, I would not fuck her. I do not. You get to an age where I don't fuck hot people. I, I don't fuck anybody. I'm married, but I don't even want to fuck hot people. You get when you hit, I want to say like 35, you see hot and you see what comes with hot. Right. When I see a woman who is like smoking hot, it's not attractive to me anymore because I know the pain that comes with having to talk to her, having to wake up next to her, having to say, watch my jokes bomb, have her hear her say things like, oh, my God, eggs are they should there should be places called excellent or whatever the fuck, you know, like you got to hear this dumb conversation bullshit. So just having no idea of what life is. And so you see hot and you see it in their face and you go, I don't want that. That's not even, that doesn't even make me hard anymore. I like us. I like a sweet woman with a, with nice, with a fucked up, you know, you could with the smile that is ingrained on her face. She's been smiling so much in her life that her face is creased in that way. You know, that's hot to me because you can see just a happy look to these people, bright eyes, that kind of shit, fat ass, nice tits. That's still that don't go away. That's always there. A fat ass and nice tits. That is always going to help me out. Anyway, this uh, beautiful black woman is talking to that other woman. And I go, excuse. uh, Oh, I held the door. She held the door for me. I said, thank you. And then I returned the favor with the second door. And I went and for you. And she was like. Yeah, like she said, yeah. And I went, man, that was rude, right? And then cut to we're walking. She now tries to interrupt me while I'm talking to this rude salesperson. And she, I don't know, I was like, excuse me, I'm talking. And the woman says, I doubt you, I kid you not, someone in LA looks at me, this is this woman, and she goes, I'll buy you. That is what she said, I'll buy you to me. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't think purchasing of another human being is a thing anyone should be doing. Which, come on, this is like a pot black woman? You're saying I'll buy you? You can't throw that shit at me. And she goes, I can say it because y'all white y'all white motherfuckers. And she didn't say, I made that part up. She said, because white people own black people. Like, that's kind of what she said. She, I don't remember exact words, but she was like, I can say it because I'm black and white people own black people. And I said to her, I mean, yes, sure, white people uh, owned black people, but more importantly, the people who owned other people were people who said, 
I'll buy you. Okay. Are you sure white people did own black people, but it was really the mentality of someone who said, I will buy you. That is the worst person. So if we were to go back in time, you would not be the black slave. You would be the person who thinks they should own another human being. Whereas I would be the time traveling Superman. I'm some kind of hero. I would always be a hero. You know, I'm going to be the guy who fights everything. So I don't, the whole idea of like, you know, that like if we went back in time, I would like, I would be a slave. It's like, no, you wouldn't. If you, first of all, you can't go back in time. And if you would go back in time, how do you even know you'd still be black? If you went back in time, you could be a tree. You could be a turtle. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know that random dice that you're going to be. I guess if you got in a time machine and you walk back out as yourself, people would try to make you a slave. But they probably wouldn't. They would go, what the fuck is that thing you just came out of? And they would go a time traveling machine. And then they would go, you're God now. And you'd go, yeah. So if you went back in time, you would not be a slave. You would be God. So that's how that goes. Anyway. Yeah. So fuck that lady. And I wasn't sure if that was like a shitty thing I said to her, but I really, it's like, I don't know, man, you shouldn't walk around saying you're going to buy people and then try to whatever. Anyway. Uh, it's just crazy. Also that the poor store, the guy is nice, but fucking banana Republic. They think they're, it's like you're a target, okay? You're slightly better than the gap. Get the fuck out of here, both of you people. The one who worked there and the fucking girl. Um, there's so much to tell you. I, I, I don't, I hope this is, I don't know how it's going. Just doing it alone is so weird. I have no one to riff off of, but I don't know. We're just kind of doing it. Um, we also, uh, so I'll take my, so I go to the comedy store again, right? So to do my spot. Now, this is a kind of cool thing, right? So I always had this fantasy of being like a fat guy who could do a backflip, right? I always thought it'd be fun to be like, hey, man, but you think, but you can't think I could do a backflip, right? And then people go, no way that guy do, do a backflip. Then you do a backflip. They go, how the fat guy do a backflip? Or like have like an amazing skill that no, I love when you see someone who has an amazing skill that you would not see. A lot of times you see him with dads. You'll see like a 50-year-old dad and then he walks in the backyard and he just hits 60 jump shots out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, yeah, he was a... Uh, college basketball NAACP player for, you know, is it NWACP? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, he's in the NWACP for the Grand Four. Uh, the Grand Four. We made it to the Grand Four and didn't win and were blue in the, in the NBA. Uh, NACA, NAAC? Maybe it's NACA? I don't know what it is. Um, I love that. I love a guy with a secret talent. But that was what was kind of cool. So I'm at the comedy store and no one knows who I am. And you can see people are like trying to big time me. Like there was this fat fucking guy. I can't remember his name. He's a comedian. You wear a blazer. Let me say this, man. You're wearing a blazer. I already know what you are. Okay. Like I, I know I'm better than you. Not I'm better than you as a person. You know, we're all mass. Okay. Doing a lot of things. But I know what I can do on stage most majority of the crowd will go, I like him better than I like the blazer man. So I'm standing at the comedy store and they have all the wall behind you. They're all autographs. Uh, uh, also, shout out to Stutman. I, gotta, I remember that guy. This guy, a rad dude cast fan, somehow found out that I was in LA. I probably posted it and then somehow got tickets to the show, which was sold out. So I don't know how he did that. I also didn't want to tell anybody that I was doing this spot because it's my first one there. Could be kind of like an audition. Who knows? Anyway, so I'm standing against the wall that has all the names signed on it, and this guy keeps making jokes like, you're covering my name. Why don't you move? Because 
I'm like, I'm not doing the big time jokes, right? The jokes where you kind of big time me because you're the you're the L.A. comic. It's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm funnier than you. I'm a nicer person than you. Uh, I you're this, the ego shit doesn't really register. Like I already do the ego shit at the cellar. I'm not doing that here. And I'm getting better at it, especially after COVID. Like, I'm not going to let some fucking guy big time me. So I just and I wasn't a dick. I didn't fire back and go. You, you're probably going to have heart disease soon because you're not doing well. You know, that's why I'm not doing roasts because my roast jokes are always, they're always like, I'll see you in the, I'll see, I'll see you in, uh, I, you know, what's it called? Fuck, I fucked that up. Let's just reset that. I'll see you in critical care when you have heart disease. That Those are my comebacks. That's why I'm not really good at them. It's like, oh, your son doesn't call you anymore. Look at you. That's why. Those are my, those are my roasts, you know? It's like, how's your relationship with your mom? That's exactly what I thought. Not well, right? So anyway, I'm not shooting back at this guy. I'm just like, okay, buddy, whatever. Um, and then my man, Taylor, comes by, my door guy, and he just goes, that motherfucker just killed the Rose Battle. And then that guy tried to like be cool to me now. I'm like, oh, so you'll be cool to me now that you know I'm a comedian from New York. He was like, oh, he's a seller guy, whatever. Now he's trying to be cool to me. And I'm like, no, what? You wouldn't have been cool to me if I was just a normal person? Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, fuck you. No, be cool to normal people. Comedians think they're better than other people sometimes. And it's like, you're not. You're a clown. We're cl- not that we're clowns, but like we are funny. But there are people that have so many other skills that are value is such a silly thing to place on anyone. We all have, we are all, I say we're all equal. There is no value because we're all going to die. You know what I mean? All you really can do is just try to be nice to each other, uh, you know, and try to what the way I look at life is that we're all factories and you can make your you're a happy factory. You're a shitty factory. Right. What what output? What are you making? And I try and I want to be a factory that puts happiness out into the world. Right. That's what I can do. So when I'm feeling shitty. I try not to put the shittiness out there. I try not to be mean to people because because that really is a product. If you put shitty, if if you sit next to me and I'm rude to you, I have now changed you as a person. Like you're now feeling sad. So my factory has poisoned your 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 factory or your you as a person. And then you take that and you kick your dog right. That that energy is spreadable. It's like a bad energy is is viral. It ruins your day. It, it, fucks people away so if you can be a factory that's just putting out happiness constantly to the people around you you are legitimately changing the world you're, you're changing the world on a at least a, a 10 per a kevin bacon 10 person level so when this guy's out here trying to be shitty it's like uh, you know fuck I don't, I don't know where i was going with this factory thing but i don't know i just I, I you guys probably don't know this but comedians sometimes will just they think they're like i can't talk to normal people and i just that's so silly it's Normal people are the fucking best. They're, we're all just human beings who can do different things. So they don't do comedy, right? Well, what else do you do that they do? Do they go to Dunkin' Donuts? Right. So we're the same. We're same on 99% of the other things. Um, except they're not going to try to uh, write everything they say down in the middle of a sentence because they think it's funny. You know, I, don't, I do see a lot of... I get a lot of... I talk to a lot of normal people who are very annoying and obnoxious, of course. But I also... That's so many great people through comedy that are just. Also, do you see this? I know this is just a video thing, but behind me, it's this art piece of art that, when the light shines on it, you see like the the markings of like a sexy lady. Everything in fucking Vegas is 
sexy, right? It's a sexy lady thing. Um, right. So I don't know what I was talking about. Um, oh, so I'm at the store and I'm this guy who no one knows. So I'm just kind of standing there and I, I met these two other comedians. I was like, this girl's Laura. I want to look her name up. And this kid, Benton, which I thought was funny. His name was Benton. And uh, he was a real sweet gay guy. Um, I say that for this. Uh, I, I, when he said Benton, I was like, what, what kind of name is that? I'm wondering what his nationality was. And he was like, not nah, just like a rich white guy name. And it's like, kind of funny that like, because I thought Benton, I thought it sounded foreign. It's like so funny that rich people, you can get so rich that your name sounds foreign. You know, like Mike Joe, these are standard names, whatever. Benton might as well be like good. Gundabula, or I don't know that riff. It's weird to riff alone because I don't laugh at me. Anyway, uh, yes, it's got Benton. He was a very sweet guy, and uh, I kind of like him and Laura. I kind of oh, I want to say Laura. I don't remember her fucking name. Let me. I should look it up so I don't say it right because I like to, the people who are really nice. I like to at least get their names right. Um, Stutman, that guy. Stut Stutman came to see me. That guy's it. Very nice guy. Um, I'll look it up. There's also like, I don't have to continually be talking. You'll understand that if there's a little bit of silence, it's just because Eric Stutman, that was the guy who drove him and his wife, or fiance maybe, girlfriend. Uh, she was a lawyer. They were both very sweet and easy to talk to. Laura Peake was the girl. Uh, and Benton. Benton. Uh Anyway, I was just hanging with those guys because they were like, they were doing the belly room show. So I guess they're like up and coming comedians. Or they, but up and coming even there, it's like they're still doing it like five years, six years. They were both very funny. Um, but they put me on last at the belly room. And it's just, I'm sitting there and, and people are just kind of like big timing. Like no one's trying to give you the time of day because you're on the belly room show or whatever. And I'm just like, you know, I'm feeling that heat. You get this, this uncomfortable heat your body starts to like heat up because you just, you feel like you don't belong. Like I don't fucking belong here. I texted Louis Katz, whom I know a lot of you hate because of our car debacle on the last Patreon, but Louis the best. I messaged Louis. I'm like, God, geez, I'm kind of melting down. And he, he sends me a text that says, I know it doesn't feel like it, but you deserve or be you belong there. Like you belong here. And I was like, I kind of want to get a tattoo that says that like a picture of earth and it just says i know it doesn't feel like i do but i belong here or you belong here and him just saying that because louis has always been like a huge advocate of mine he's always just like no nah, man you're fucking funny fuck off fuck these people he's like you belong there you know and so i'm trying to like manage that real this like self-hatred because you don't really know people so you just feel like everyone hates you and you feel like you don't belong here and i should just leave and it's like no I'm feeling weird because no one's coming up to, uh, that I'm not, because I don't feel comfortable talking to other people, but I'm going to be, let them come to me. You know what I mean? Like I'll be open. I'll be nice. I'll talk to my door guys. I'll talk to these, these two comics, but I belong here and I'm, I'm, I have value. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why that comes to my mind of like the value thing, but it's like, yeah, like stop acting like you're lesser than like you're lesser than these people. Like I, not this because the fact that I'm a comedian, but it's the fact that I'm a human being who's a, a good factory. I'm putting out, I'm trying to put out more love into the world than hate and anger. And so if I, 
So if a comedian is like, I did, I have a podcast with a million followers. It's like, yeah, man, I, I make, you know, I make people feel happy when I, when I talk to them. You know what I mean? I'm not yelling at people all the time. You know, I give a guy in a subway Starbucks card, you know? So the, what are we doing here? What is, you think you're, it's like these hot chicks and I'm in Vegas now. It's like these hot chicks in Vegas who they're like, don't look at me. I'm hot. And it's like, oh, you think being hot is the thing that gives you value? That is a wild thing to think about who you are. That is not the thing that gives you value. First of all, we, none of us have any value. The value, this is how I value a life. Uh, the value of your life is based on how many people would miss you if you died. And I say that only because if you die, you don't miss you. You do not care if you die. If you die, you're just dead. There's no caring. So if you die and people miss you, then, then you can say you have value, right? Not value, but then, you know, there's, there's a void if you're gone. Now, that's not good or bad. If, you, if you're sitting in this podcast and go, Jesus Christ, no one would care if I died. Well, that doesn't matter either, right? Because then no one cares. And you're, it doesn't matter to you. Legacy is nothing, right? So there's no real value on, on life. So that's why I'm like abortion. It's like, well, if you should abort babies, because if no one's going to care if they're gone, then who cares? No one. So there's your answer, right? But if someone will care that the baby is gone, and don't say this bullshit like this, oh, I'm a Christian man who cares about every baby. You don't know the baby. If you don't know the baby, then you don't care, right? I do have a weird issue, though. This is a weird thing to get into. But if you're a woman and you don't want to, if you want to have an abortion, and the father is in the picture, and he's like, I want to raise the kid and you can have nothing to do with it. That is something that I think should be looked into as far as like, all right, it's a shitty nine months and it's going to do some damage to your body. That's fucked. That's bad. But you only got to deal with it for nine months and whatever, you know, you're, you're sloppy pussy after for the rest of your life. Um, so I think then that life does matter if someone is like, no, I want it right? Like if you have a steak on a plate and you throw it away and there's someone at your table who's hungry, that's fucked up to do. Like, well, I paid for it. It's mine. I can do what I want. Yeah, but it's still shitty that the guy sitting there isn't eating, right? And by guy, you know, so it's like we can't as men have children. I wish we could. I wish we could have children. I would, oh, just to be a martyr. Oh, I would love to just be like, honey, I'll do this and then just get up and fucking be fat for, i'm fat already i'm already i'm like i'm already look like i'm pregnant but that pain just to be like i did this for us i did this for us it's oh so sweet that feels and, and women they try to pretend like they don't they don't love it they love they love saying i gave birth i went through this pain for you martyr shit trust me i'm a martyr i live for it i would love to do it anyway so yeah, i that whole thing with like life is a value i because inherently nothing has value we we create value it's kind of like an action figure right if someone wants it we can put a value on it so that's the that's the value of any kind of thing anyway i don't know what i was saying except that i was in the comedy store and i felt very uncomfortable and then i was like i'm gonna try to switch and try to make myself feel more comfortable because i kept being like yeah i'm gonna let my work speak for myself when i get on stage i'm gonna fucking crush because i know what i can do um so anyway Everybody on the show, it's like a 10-person comedy show. Uh, I'm last. I 
I'm a little nervous. I'll be honest. I was a little nervous at first, which I was, which was I had a little, I don't know if it was nerves or just like excitement, hoping it goes well. The booker is watching, but I kind of want to be like, look, you guys don't get it. I'm going to be, but I also know, like, I know I'll be good. I'm also, the crowd is hot and I don't usually like hot crowds because all you can do with a hot crowd is lose them. But you give me a bad crowd, I'll turn them. Like I'll, I'll, I can, I'll turn a bad crowd or I won't. And no one else did. So I don't really care. You know what I mean? So I love a, all I can do with a hot crowd is lose. So I'm getting in my head a little bit. Anyway, they call me up. They put a microphone in my hand. What do you think happens? Destroyed. Of course, always do. I even, I had to play some of the hits. Eric's, Eric will attest to that. I had to play some, I had to do some of the bits from the album, but I was talking, I did a Adam Ferreira's podcast and I was like, I'm going to do my set. And he goes, do the best shit you have and just kill. They don't know your act. Just kill. Doesn't nothing matter. Just fucking go and kill and fuck these people. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just kill. I'm going to do the material I like the most, even if it's old. And I'm going to, anyway, I fucking kill. Um, and uh, the booker is like, she doesn't technically, she just goes, hey, anytime you come to LA, hit me up because I could have watched you for 40 minutes, which was like huge. That was like really cool that the booker of the comedy store kind of like loved what I did. Um, so now if I'm going to come back, I'm going to try to just keep coming back and try to keep working this club and uh, see if I could build something out here just to try to make a name for myself. Because all I really want is just to be able to do this for more people you know, and, and I would like money. Uh, money is what keeps me going. Money is the fuel. Like if I'm a car, money is the thing that keeps the car going. And that's what I kind of like. That's kind of how I want to tell you guys about the Patreon, which isn't an ad. It's going to sound like an ad, but it really is kind of how I want you to truly understand what the Patreon is for me. The Patreon is... You're, I'm not selling you anything, okay? If it's a, there's some tiers that I will put content out for people who donate to those tiers, right? And, but to me, that is a thank you. That is not a sale. I'm not trying to sell you this awesome material. That is me saying, hey, look, there's not a lot I can do, but your money, your donations keep me in this business. It keeps, what you are doing is you are buying into a stock Okay, you are buying crypto coin, but what you are getting in return is not, it's not money. Okay, you're not going to get money back, but you, what you are going to get is more art from me in the future. And I don't mean just directly the, the Patreon. I mean, when you guys donate to the, when you donate to the Patreon, that literally keeps me in this business. It keeps me doing comedy. So if you believe in this, if you believe in me, if you believe in me, donate to the Patreon because that is what allows me to continue to do this. And like, I, I know that that sounds like, also it should just be said, if you are broke, do not donate. I, I want anyone who is having a hard time with money to get through that. I've, I've done that. I'm always broke. I'm actually doing okay. Now I'm living like an adult. I'm living a life that a 40 year old man should be living. You know, it's like I can pay for dinner when I need to buy dinner you know, which is not, which was not the case for a very long time in my life. A very long time in my life, it was when the rent is coming, it's three days away. I do not, I have 50% of it. I have no idea how I'm going to pay it, but now I can pay money. I can pay rent. I have some money that I can pay rent and I can, um, I can buy food when I need to buy food and I buy some action figures and I can sell some action figures and 
I can buy people birthday presents when it's their birthday. Like that's really an awesome place to be in, you know, like Tita and I can just go to dinner and it's fucking great. Um, but I get back to this Patreon idea of like why I thank everyone who donates is because it, it is, I, I don't want you to think of it as like, you're just buying these episodes and this weird shit. I want you to understand that what you're doing is you're investing in me as a human being. You're investing, not as a human being, like you're investing in, you believe that I can bring good comedy to this world and, or whatever it is I'm putting, you know, and, and with every person, it's like, if you want to support local business, you go, yeah, but like, all right, buy an egg and cheese sandwich. How much is this really changing? It's like, when you donate to the Patreon, I see your $5. I see it. It's you're directly handing it to me. And then I take it and I put it into rent or I put it into a new HDMI wire. Like it literally is a stock that the more you guys donate, the more this company will rise. And instead of you getting millions of dollars back, what you get hopefully is, is my art and I say my art, but things that I can give to the world, which I really think I could do good. I think that I can make people, I think if this factory gets enough funding, we can put a lot of happiness out there. It's so fucking corny, but there is also look, and I, and I know a lot of you guys are fans of a lot of these podcasts, but a lot of these podcasts are very angry and because they know anger sells and it's funny, you know, sometimes it's funny, but a lot of these guys who are angry, they're not even well, they're angry for other reasons, but it's it's just bullshit because they know the hot takes sell. And I don't sell the hot takes. So it's a little bit different for me, I guess. You know, I could easily just have, I can name the guy at the comedy store who was a piece of shit and make that clip and get a billion, well, maybe probably get a couple more likes than usual. Um, but anyway, I guess what I was trying to say is thank you for investing in me because that is what you're doing when you donate to the patreon you're 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 investing in a company that you like that isn't you know they don't have children making shit and uh you might not get the money back but what you will get is me continuing to be in this business and create um and have the freedom to create things and i know not everyone's a creator you know i'm a fan what was fun is i went to this magic show my friend got us a ticket to this thing called uh absinthe some kind of magic show in vegas here and i got to sit and watch these people do this insane shit like this people with this insane abs like climbing ropes and doing flips and you know all types of circus delay type shit they had a host who was this guy who just did like shitty like he put someone here look at this fat fuck in the beginning uh hey fat fuck what are you gonna do it was like just the worst kind of crowd work i'd ever seen um with no joke that's the thing this is what gets me about comedy and this is i know it i know look i don't want to insult a lot of your people i know a lot of you guys like some of these people but some of these people are dirty for dirty's sake and i don't love that in comedy i am dirty and i love dirty and i love shocking people but what i love more is having an angle having a take having a take on that shit right like if you want to talk about pedophiles Talk about pedophiles. You know, for me, an angle in, 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 you know, has always been, you know, I used to tell the story about a pedophile who never did anything. Is that truly a bad guy? That's an angle. That's trying to find a loophole in the, in the world and do jokes through it. But then if looking at a guy and going, here's a pedophile, motherfucker, it's like, yeah, anyone can do that. 
And we shouldn't look to our comedians with stuff that we can do. What I look for in a comedian is someone who is going to think of something that I couldn't think of or kind of thought of, but couldn't, you know, make the words. You know what I mean? Like someone who, you know, with all the, especially with like political shit, if you can find the loopholes in the world and exploit them and make them funny, that to me is good comedy, not just crossing the border. So to me, comedy is you, you want to go past the border. You want to go past the line, right? But if you, I don't like people who just smash through the wall, right? They just scream the N word, you know, and you go, yeah, you went over the line, but what the fuck, what are you doing? I like people who go over the line secretly, right? You don't know they're over the line. They, they sneak past the bushes. Next thing you know it, they're in enemy territory and you're comfortable and you're safe and you're, uh, you know, it's fucking funny because you never thought of something that way. You know what I mean? Any, that is much harder to do than just, just putting your sword in the air and fucking screaming the N-word across the Mexican border. You know what I mean? Like, and I said, like, look, it's for some people, it's for some people, they, they enjoy it. But I, I, there is an, uh, you know, on the Rad Dude cast, I've done that so many fucking times. Like I'm saying this, but also on the Rad Dude cast, how many times have I done it? But I always thought that when I went over the line for shock stuff, the reason it was funny is because you know, I'm not a bad person. I've gained your trust enough for you to know that if I'm bringing up a racial slur or something weird, you go, I can't believe he said that because that's not his character. That's the juxtaposition. But then you see these guys who you go, oh, that is your character. And you're just saying you're, you're just saying that shit. Like, that's like, it's different for me. It's, that's what kind of gets me with some of that shit. I don't know where I'm going. This is what happens when you just hit record into a microphone and go for a God knows how long we've been going. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I do my, my set at the comic store, a fucking destroy. It was awesome, dude. I, I fucking closed out the show. They love me. They told me to come back. Um, I had some things I wanted to talk about. Oh my God. That I, I didn't get to any of the things I really wanted to hit, which is annoying. Um, yeah, I like the idea of, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe I did. I don't know. Um, I did go to this one guy. I did a podcast. Uh, I did a podcast for a friend, which was cool. And uh, he's rich. I didn't know, you know, you forget that some people are rich. And he also, I will say he wasn't rich because I saw what rich was in LA and he, he was wealthy doing better than me. Did a lot of things that are good. You know, this guy's getting probably good residual checks. He's doing well. Anyway, we record a podcast. Um, I'm walking towards the door and uh, I hear this like type holy music. I turn around and there is a nun in his house. And I was like, whoa, what, what is that? Right. And he was, he was just like, oh yeah, yeah. I got a couple of nuns living here. They, you know, it's hard to be a nun. They don't make a lot of money. So I just have them living here and uh, yeah, no big deal. And he walks out and I went, I turned around. I thought she was a ghost. I thought this was a, a dead woman i said the music but none was listening to none music which i was like oh, that's kind of crazy i didn't know they did that i didn't know they listened to like church music on their own i thought they listened to they just did church music in church now they i guess this woman loves like holy music at home and but i thought she was like a dead woman haunting the house and then he was like nah, nah, no big deal and he just kind of like we just kind of walked out and i it was that's what i'm talking about like that's some shit right this guy is 
I am an atheist, and that has nothing. To, I don't. I thought he was going to hate me because I, he, you know, you know, I'm an atheist. But like, yeah, but you're. It's not about you being religious. I'm. I'm you can be religious. I don't really care. But you are also housing a human being in your home, who, and helping people. Like that is amazing. That is an amazing thing, that this guy is doing. He's just got nuns living in his house, giving back. It's wild. And no credit. No one's giving this guy credit for it. I'm not even going to say who it was. I'm not giving him credit for it. I don't know if he's got it out there. I don't know if this is a thing that people know about him. So I don't. I don't want to blow up his spot. But it was like wild. It's just like it's, this guy's just letting nuns. Who lives? Who has nuns? Unless it was his mom. I don't think it was. He didn't look like a superhero. Um, Daredevil had a nun who was a mom. I think that's about it. But anyway, um, yeah. So I guess I'll be going back to LA, but it was a really, it was a kind of cool experience to be able to do some shows. And now we drove to, to, to Vegas and I'm here and there's all these hot women walking around who are kind of half naked and my pregnant wife who looks beautiful. And I still want to fuck these other people, but I don't, cause that's the thing I love my wife and she's beautiful, but you never, you still want to have sex with everybody. It just doesn't ever go away. It's just a constant battle of not cheating. It's a little bit easier for me cause I'm fat, which is nice. And I got this mustache, the uglier things I add to my, body it really helps with the not cheating i think they say that about fat people they'll be like they they get fat because they want don't they physically don't want people to get close i do think i i gained a lot of weight and got a le- less attractive because i don't want to cheat on people and it's easier to not cheat you know, when you are a little bit weird looking and um yeah, this thing i would like to get rid of this part of my neck Ugh, that's about it um i think that's gonna do it for me here um, you guys, thank you for listening. I, I hope this wasn't weird. I hope it was interesting throughout. If you have any questions, hit me up in the comments. I will uh, answer them. Um, this seemed a little all over the place. Uh, and I think this is just my first time doing it alone, really. So uh, I hope it was interesting. And I think maybe I'll try to get better at it. Try to maybe, uh, you know, well, we had some hits. We had some. Oh, we drove to this place called Eddie World. That was wild. There's a road stop called Eddie World halfway from. It's like the last stop from before you have like the no gas stations to into the desert. And so what they do at Eddie World is they just they just have Reese's peanut butter cups that they took out of the like, you know, individual ones took out of the bag and then put them in their own clear plastic bag and charge you nine dollars because they know there's no rest stops for like 60 miles. So or even probably even longer. Who the hell knows? So they just charge you an exorbitant amount of money for fucking uh, candy that you can't get for a while. Also, Eddie World. It's not called Eddie's World. It's not Eddie's World. Hey, I'm Eddie. This is my world. It's Eddie World, as if when you go there, everyone there is Eddie. Every name tag is Eddie. Hey, Eddie. All Eddies. Eddie World. It's a world of Eddie. Very fucking weird. They really should get an apostrophe because it doesn't make any sense. Um Oh yeah, my wife. You got it. You guys also. My wife got this banging ass hotel. What a sweetheart. My wife, who's so poor, not poor. We're not poor. We're fine. We're normal human beings now, but she's so cheap that she booked this hotel. And we walk in. It's huge. I have a living room and this giant veranda, and there's a hot tub in our bathroom. I got real stoned last night. I took a hot tub bath. It was fucking amazing. I feel weird. I feel weird when I have nice things because I'm so used to being poor like dirt poor that I feel like a piece of shit for having any of this. Like we're flying back first class. This is wild. I had so many points from when COVID stopped that to upgrade to first class was 
we paid nothing for the plane tickets. And if we wanted to upgrade, it was like two or 300 bucks. So we said, fuck it. Let's fucking pay and fly back first class. But I don't know how I'm going to feel when I'm on first class. And people are walking by. I'm going to be like, I'm like you. I'm like you. I'm undercover. I'm, I'm actually, I'm infiltrating the first class people. That's how I'll feel. It's very weird. I don't know how I would raise a rich kid. I think about that a lot. Like, how do you raise a rich kid? I only know how to raise how to raise someone through, you know, to have a good heart through, sh- through shit. You know, it's like you will see the horrors of life, and that's why you will be good to other people because you know what it's like. I think the goal is to have a kid, and then I will. Ma- I, I what I would like to do is volunteer once a week. If I have, I'm also saying raise a kid rich because I'm just I don't, I know I'm going to be rich. Like I, I'm not rich. I will be rich, and this kid will will be rich too. Uh, when I'm rich, because it's going to happen, I want to volunteer once a week. So this kid, you know, I want to say to him, like, you did not have to put the time into getting rich. So you should give your time to someone who isn't because all life is, is time, right? It's like, when you work for something, you get money, you're giving up your time, a part of your life, in essence, to money for money for doing things so like you didn't have to give a lot of time to get money you were born with money so you should give some of your time to people who are going to have to work harder to get further in life just comfortable wise like because really all money is about is for me all money is about is just trying to be comfortable and and try to have less problems in life because money can solve a lot of problems money cannot make you happy this podcast can make you happy. That is about it. So please donate to the Patreon. Um, so, you know, it, it, that's another thing too. Sorry. I, I have a couple more things I just want to say, but I, I think I was thinking about a lot. Like nothing makes you happy, but the only thing you need, there's like this little, like, it's like a little, uh, I want to say a filter in the pipes. And that filter is a thing that allows you to create happiness. And that's the only thing in your life that you need to work on is the thing that allows you to create happiness in your own life, right? Because money, if you don't have that thing, money, girls, pussy, drugs, none of that shit will make you happy. So the only thing you need to work on in your life is that filter, and sometimes that's through therapy. Sometimes it's through meditation. I don't know how it is. For me, it's what makes me happy is making people laugh. That's like my quick fix. That like I like making people laugh, and that allows me to be uh, that allows me to be happy. So you have to just I get. I don't know if that's. I don't even think that's true because I know so many people who make people laugh and they're miserable. I don't know what it is. I don't know how I how I I just know that I do have the ability to be happy, and I and you put it like they like they say like. Uh, who was it? Mundinson? That wasn't his name. Mundinson? The guy in Africa who was in jail. And he was like, yeah, he's, there's like monks who live in solitude and they're in nirvana. They have this happiness because they have that ability to turn whatever they are in into happiness, right? That's why rich people are happy, but poor people are also happy, right? All these people, it's like, you just got to work on that thing. I don't know what I'm talking about here. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, Oh boy. Let me ask. I just got, would you be available to want to host for Louis CK and Nyack those nights, July 5th through July 8th? Sure. I just got that email. So 
I'll probably be hosting for Louis C.K. at Levity Live in Nyack on July 5th and 8th. I just got that email. I didn't confirm yet, but we'll confirm it. Let me just confirm it. July 5th. Let me see if I could. Yeah, just leave a little bit of my life for a second where you see if 5th is a Monday and the 8th is a Thursday and nothing in between. So I'll say yes. That's cool. It just happened as that just happened in real time. We'll see if Louis has the ability to be happy. Yes. Would love to. Thank you. Greg. Sorry, guys. I don't, Mike's not here, so I'm not going to be able to edit that out. Um, but yeah, that's it. So, guys, work on your factories. Make sure that you're putting out happiness into that world. I know sometimes you got to suck it up and life is scary and you feel like nothing's going to happen, but nothing does happen because everything, because we all die. And so just try to enjoy this ride for what it is. And I think if you try to uh, put other people's feelings first, and sometimes that comes with being vulnerable and putting yourself out there and being okay when they shit on you, right? Because that's what I try to do when I comedy is like, you know, if I'm vulnerable, then people will see that they also, you know, I, they also have the problems I have and maybe they'll feel okay about it. But doing that allows people to go, Oh, you got that problem. You a fag or whatever. So try to be vulnerable. Try to, uh, just make someone just try to bring happiness to people. I guess. I don't know why I'm getting to this weird thing, but roll over the place, but I love you all. Uh, we will back next week. We've got, so many more guests planned and so many more things. Thanks for coming along this ride with me. I hope this was entertaining at all or something. I don't know, but you know, get at me, leave messages. Let me know, share post uh, this podcast, share the clips. If you could interact with the Instagram, that really helps. Um, we're all on the same team here. I really do consider you guys all on like uh, you're all my soldiers, but not in a way that like you work for me or anything. We're all, they're all, we're all just on, I'm on your team too, as much as I can be. I try to respond. That's another thing too I want to say is I try to respond to everyone. I get a lot of messages from people who listen to the podcast and I try to respond to all of you, but sometimes you will message me and then continually keep talking. And if I got the time, I'd love to do it, but sometimes I just have to disconnect and walk away. So please don't be offended if I Stop talking to you and don't act like you have to change or do anything. Like I'll just, just don't be upset that if I'm like, oh man, I got to go. I, I, I might not even say that if I don't respond for a while, I, I am trying to respond and talk to everyone. Um, you know, when I can, I just have limited uh, bandwidth with having with Tita being pregnant and work and, you know, people I see in real life. Um, so just don't be upset if I can't talk to all of you all of the time. And definitely don't be upset if I can't hang out. That I get a lot of people who are like, Hey, I'm coming to New York. I'd like to hang out with you. And I'm like, look, as much as I love to just hang out, it's, that's like a whole day. And I only get seven a week and I have eight friends and I have to work. So it's hard to hang out sometimes. But I will try to message back. It's just like some, you know, someone messaged me the other day and they, they were like, hey, uh, when you're in Vegas, come to my house. I, I, I can't come to your house. I, I mean, I would love a world where we were already friends, but. I can't come to your house. I got the goddamn Eiffel Tower here. I'm going to go see this fake Eiffel Tower. And they got this. I got a wife. I got to do. 
But hey, how about I just say hey in a message and we talk a little bit about Batman or whatever? I could do that. Come to your house. Wild move. But I, hey, man, I don't shoot your shot. You know what I mean? The guy shot a shot. I just got to grab the ball and go, hey, I can't come to your house. You know what I mean? Oh, but sometimes maybe I can. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, you're all wonderful. And uh, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will, I hope this wasn't weird. I'm not going to fucking hate myself. I'm, man, well, God bless. Whatever. I just fucking kill myself. Who cares? I think about killing myself. I think a lot about, I, uh, I did this. I wanted to tell you guys this. And then I'm going to go. Uh, called the front desk for a knife. Uh, I said, do you guys have a knife at the hotel? And the lady goes, I can't send you up a knife. And I was like, why? And she was like, well, you could do something bad with a knife. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do something bad to someone else. I'll probably just kill myself. And she did not laugh at that. And I was like, but I was like, I'm kidding, you know? And then, uh, that's I, that I'm, you know, I'm shorthanding this conversation. Some of those things didn't happen, but she wouldn't give me the knife. And I was like, can you just send me up? I needed a knife to open up this bath bomb I bought because I couldn't. And then she was like, I can't send you a knife, but I'm like, just send me a knife. And she wouldn't. But what, so what I did was I ordered. So I said, well, do you do room service? And she said, yes. And I said, send me up a steak. And me and my wife ate a steak. And you know what came with that steak? A knife. So I got the knife. But she didn't even realize she didn't even realize what I was doing. I was like, all right, so you can't you can send me a knife with a steak. So you can't send me a knife on its own. You know? Well, I asked her if she sent me a spoon. She said she sent me a spoon. I could have a spoon. Well, I guess a spoon you can't kill yourself with as easily. So it's hard. So you won't just send me the easiest way to kill myself. You just want to make it very difficult for me to kill myself. Also, uh, if you saw this, there's a balcony. I am on the 39th floor. They do not care about losers in this hotel. I tell you that much. Okay. You lose at that. You lose at the casino. <sighs> you come up to this 39th floor. You can fling yourself off. No one gives a shit. They don't care. You need to put up a fence. You can't be having 39th floor up and they can just walk outside. Please. But anyway, don't kill yourself, folks. I will kill myself. Not now. At some point, I do want to, I think the biggest fuck you to the universe is taking your own life because here's the thing you have to understand. I do not want people out there to kill themselves because you have so much more life to give, right? You're a factory that can be delivering happiness. We need that factory running as long as possible just to keep more happiness in the universe. But when you're close to death, then I want to kill myself, right? Like if I'm like, I got three hours left. If the guy is like, you got six months to live, I'm going to wait five months, fling myself off of a roof because then I look at death and I go, fuck you, bitch. I did this. Although I could survive and death went, yeah, I did this. I kept you alive. Now you're paralyzed for the rest of your life. I don't know how death works, but I want to tell fuck you to death. I also love the idea that I have a, this is an old bit, but I love the idea that there's an expiration date on me, right? I go, I'm going to kill myself when I'm 87 years old. So 20, you know, 73 or whatever the hell the year is, right? This way, you know, when I'm going, you want to hang out, you got to fit it in between there. You got to make sure you come and see me. And before I come and do it in a bathtub with a nice glass of wine, and I'm going to put some gasoline in the bathtub and going to set it on fire because I want to go out in pain because pain is the only way to know you're alive. And I want to know I'm alive right before I die. 
Don't kill yourself, people. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to say here, it's the control that I want, but I want it as close to death as possible as a fuck you to death. So what I'm trying is I'm only promoting suicide 20 minutes before you're going to die anyway, if that makes sense. But I want you guys alive. But it kind of, I, well, if you're listening to this podcast, I need you to be alive because I need you to tell people about that. I'm tell people that you enjoy me, I think, you know, but that's it. I guess that'll go. I need Brendan or Anthony to tell me when I've said weird things or point out crazy things that I can make them funny because no one laughed this whole podcast. I, maybe you did as you're listening to it, but maybe you didn't. No one in this room laughed, but there's no one here. Fungal. All right. Thank you all so much. I'll see you later. Bye. Big up your head. Big up your body. Get on the bus. It's time to party. It's Gregory. It is a Saturday night, Gregory. Take your socks off and take your pants on. Get in the car and drive on Friday night, Gregory. It is a Friday night, Gregory. My man was too high, he created the show So that is why that you have Gregory Oh, Friday night, Gregory